1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports and I'm Lindsay Hooper. So the World Cup is over. It was the biggest one ever. 32 teams, 64 games, 164 goals, and almost 2 million spectators. And at the end of it all, Spain were crowned champions, England took the silver, and Sweden left with bronze. For our full tournament review, I'm with Natasha Dowie, the two-time WSL champion and ex-England player who's played at top clubs across six countries. Hello, Tash, for one final time. Hello, Lynn And joining us as well briefly from Sydney Airport. Yeah, she's already off, packed her bags, coming back. It's our reporter,
3: Helen Hardy. A final time. day Helen. day I thought I was going to be on my way to Trafalgar Square to be celebrating in the streets with you all, but it just wasn't meant to be.
1: No. Uh, we'll be handing out our very own <laughs> awards later on, so hang on for those. But first, what did you make of that World Cup overall? Helen... You've got time now to think about your whole experience, the whole trip, the vibe in Australia, how you think you've left it as well. What what state do you think football has been left in out there? And um, the experiences, the atmospheres, just
3: sum it all up. So I was talking to my parents about it this morning. They were checking in on me and, and they've been following the last couple of games, semi-final and the, the final with me. And I think the overriding feeling today is just one of feeling really proud of women's football and how far it's come, but also that finally federations are starting to take notice and really invest into the women's game. 200 million Australian dollars being invested into women's and girls' programmes in sport, which I think is incredible. The Matildas genuinely captivated the nation. I can't describe it to people back home, because I thought for a little while maybe I was just biased and I was just noticing it more. But going to every cafe, every bar, every restaurant, it was the overheard conversations between guys having a beer, talking about the Matildas and what the game was going to be, but not only talking about how they thought that fixture was going, oh, did you watch the Jamaica game last night? Oh, how good is that Colombian kid? Like, these, they're talking about women's football on the same level, on par with talking about afl and cricket and rugby and all the other sports that they love and that is how much it has shifted the the view on football on women's football in australia so i can't come away from this tournament feeling sad and bitter and upset because of england this tournament has changed the game for millions of young girls and women worldwide so feeling really happy
1: today. We all know as well that you like to pick up a souvenir and I, I
3: hear you've got a special one Helen. <laughs> I am I feel like the luckiest girl alive today. Back in in the UK I um, covered some Manchester United games and got to know Anna Bartier quite well before she um, moved off to Barcelona and she gifted me her Switzerland jersey Which I was quite surprised by. And then I think the words that she said were, you're that crazy football shirt lady, so I've got a present for you. (laughs) And I I thoroughly appreciated that. And then, of course, you know, this was before the game started. She then went on to win the World Cup. So... I've got um, some precious cargo going back to the UK right now. We can vouch for the fact that you're the crazy football shirt lady.
1: You've got, um, this one's a keeper top on and full England kit at the airport as well right now. We've seen it with our own eyes. <laughs> I look so lame. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha, I, I think with a bit of a chance to to let the dust settle, how do you reflect on, on that final performance for, from England? And do you think that now, with hindsight, there's anything that could have been done differently? Or or was it just a case that
2: there can only be one winner? And on this occasion, it was Spain. Look, it's easy to say hindsight, isn't it, now? But I think on the day, to be honest, they just came up against a Spanish team that really had the game of their lives. You know, it's not that England didn't perform. They played well. You know, maybe they didn't have that cutting edge in front of goal that they've had the last couple of games. But throughout the tournament, I feel like they were challenged and we were saying England haven't really performed yet except for the 6-1 win against China. And then obviously they had the good performance and they made the final. But then this Spanish team, their pressing was incredible. The bravery on the ball to play out in tight areas. I just think every single Spanish player had the game of their lives. Uh, and I think then on the day, they deserved to win. And, you know, Serena, credit to her, because she could have stuck with the same formation, but she tried to change it at halftime, change into a 4-3-3. Bringing <laughs> saw on Millie the Bright up front as well. Yeah, Millie Bright up front, Lauren James coming on, where you know she's a game changer. You know, so she tried everything. She threw everything at the game. She didn't leave anything out there tactically, And I don't think any of the players did either. So, no, I think they can be very proud and were just beaten on the day by the better team.
1: Very sad news after the match. Olga Carmona, who scored the winning goal for Spain, player of the match in the final as well. She was told after the final whistle that her father had passed away, which you just can't even comprehend after performing in that final the way that she did and wanting to share that news Gosh, it's just heartbreaking. Um, Reuters have reported that he'd been suffering from a long term illness for some time. But um, thoughts, of course, with her. In terms of Spain, Helen, um, we know that players boycotted this World Cup over the manager and the setup prior. 15 made themselves unavailable, eight were then reselected. There were images of Jenny Hermoso as well being kissed on the lips by Spanish football president Luis Rubiales and reports saying that she did not enjoy it. I mean, still, we've got stories like this and the federation having to put out a statement on behalf of Hermoso defending the action. We know what state Spanish football is in, Helen, on the pitch. They've got a World Cup trophy they're taking back home. But
3: how about the state of it off it? Yeah, I don't really have any fear in saying that. That was the only disappointing part of, of the final for me. Tasha's already touched on the performances themselves and Spain's stepping it up to a new level. But for me, Jorge Vilda being in the dugout was mm. deeply disconcerting. And I, I felt for every victim, really, every, every woman that's ever felt like she hasn't been listened to, every woman felt like she's been sidelined. I really felt for them in that moment because... They felt victorious, the Spanish Federation, and he felt victorious in that moment. What I would say is I think Barcelona and Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid have done fantastic jobs of growing the women's game. And I think that they won in spite of him. But I'm I'm massively disappointed today. And I think that's that's the one sort of sour taste in my mouth from this entire World Cup, which... Has been by far and away the best international experience I've had as a traveling fan. An incredible tournament. And the only bitter taste I have in my mouth is that 15 players complained. 12 of them missed out. And and, you know, players like Mappy Leon, we did we as fans didn't get to see her on the world stage um, because of one individual man. And I don't think that anybody can deny that when you hear 12, 15, 20 people come forward with complaints and they're not listened to, that there is something very serious going wrong. I would say, and I saw Hedvig Lindahl posted about it today, I think it's a brilliant shout. Every single nation should have a liaison officer sitting outside of the federation that's there to sit between the players and the federation as some sort of support network for, for female players and that's every nation from England to the USA to Spain to Zambia, where players can feel like they have somebody to speak to outside of the federation that can support them with these issues and protect them and listen to them. And I think we have a long, long way to go to get to that place. It was such a
1: juxtaposition for, for the Spanish team, wasn't it, Tash, with those scenes at the end as well?
2: As, as a player, how do you rationalise that? The thing that I think I find the hardest is that a couple of players actually kind of changed their mind and then went to the World Cup. How does that then affect relationships? Because if I, as a player, you know, protesting and, you know, we think we're all in it together, and then there's two or three of them that actually then change their mind and go to the World Cup and now have a gold medal around their neck, you know, that must be so hard then because some, some of these players are teammates, you know, so they're going to be coming back at club level really on a high, the best day of their life. How does that dynamic work? I'm not sure that, you can really ever get over that. So I think that's the thing that I find the most fascinating. And it's just, it's really not a nice place to be in, is it? You know, it should be the best day of their lives. But for so many people, they've missed out on that opportunity. And it's, yeah, quite tragic, really. Before we start hearing a boarding call for
1: Helen Hardy, we will get through a couple more questions with you, Helen, before we have to let you go. A big penalty save from Mary Earps, Golden Glove winner. Um, and... I wondered about the latest, soon as you deal in football shirts. What's the latest on her shirt being available?
3: Yeah, crazy football shirt lady. Um, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> to be honest, on this one, I think there's been a few misconceptions about this. And I think the best, the, the best people to ask that question to are the FA. Like, simply put, if someone orders a shirt from Nike or Adidas or even from Faudis, then we give them a timeline and we give them a cost. So the FA would have needed to negotiate something with Nike to make this happen quickly. But I feel a little bit like the one that would force them to make that change, the people that would force them to make that change are the general public, the press. And the FA, I feel, have kind of got away, they've dodged a bullet a little bit here because I feel like Nike are the ones getting it in the neck when actually it's the FA that didn't put an order in for football shirts. So Nike didn't make football shirts. That's the reality. And I feel like until the FA... held to account by the press by the media by the fans and it's realized by the fans that they're the ones really that should be putting the order in to make the goalkeeper shirts we won't see them made that's how I feel about it that's how I see it going and I think in a way with England not winning the World Cup they might have got away with it and it might it might just be another situation that sort of fades off into the background when it comes to merchandise and honestly I deal with this stuff on a daily basis so this is just a Another thing, another thing that cements that people do not realise the sheer scale and growth of women's football. Glad you've added some clarity on that because I wasn't aware.
1: Also, just before we let you go, um, you're not going to be joining us for our awards, which we're going to move on to in a moment, but what were your top three kits?
2: Oh, I want to see if she's got this
3: Well, first of all, thank you for asking at the end of the tournament because some people ask me at the beginning when the shirts have just come out but for me football shirts are all about the memories that they hold like so I will never forget the Columbia shirt because of what Columbia did in that away shirt it's kind of gone down now as one of the most iconic women's football shirts I think of all time because of what they did in it the most for me and I'm sorry I know that I'm not gonna get asked this question but for me goal of the tournament was scored in that shirt it obviously represents the skies above Columbia and it's made me want to go to Columbia to see those skies because they're so beautiful. (laughs) So it's got to be up there. And then uh, England away is probably my favorite. I think it's really subtle and smart because there are rules in official football jersey manufacturing where you're not allowed any lettering in the fabric of the shirt. And England have been so sneaky to um, put ENG, ENG, ENG across the entire kit. Obviously an ode to the 1990 kit, which was iconic. For England. So I like, I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful kit, well put together. And my final one, again, for the memories of the World Cup, are the Jamaica kit. Specifically, I want to put Bunny on the back if I can (laughs) for this one. It's beautiful, Wales Bonner designed. Obviously, a designer has created it. So it's so slick. I think it epitomizes that Jamaica team and their performance in the World Cup. And a little side note every time I've seen, someone in a nightclub wearing a football shirt in Australia it's been that Jamaica shirt it's obviously very very fashionable as well so they're my three Jamaica home England away and Columbia away I bet they weren't in full kit though (laughs) you
2: know what we got the two of the same England away yeah Columbia away and I actually went for the Australian turquoise kit I thought that was sexy that was really nice yeah I like that one Okay, well, Helen's about to
1: board her flight. Safe travels back. And thank you for all your reporting on the ground. Uh, We always like getting some laughs from you throughout these daily shows. And we're going to move on to some awards now,
3: Helen. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later, guys.
2: This is Jodie Taylor, and you're listening to the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports.
1: All the way back when the tournament kicked off with a first-ever World Cup win for co-host New Zealand and the announcement of a calf injury for the poster girl of the tournament, Sam Kerr. Big teams crashed out early, defending champions USA, Germany, Brazil and Olympic champions Canada. We went from swimming caps to six red cards and the tournament's first hijabi player as well. Debutants like Morocco wowed us by reaching the knockout rounds. And we said goodbye to the greats that are martyr Christine Sinclair and Megan Rapino. So much drama, all in all. Time to hand out some awards for those who are present in New Zealand and Australia 2023. Let's start with the standout moment, Tash. Now, it can be a shock exit as well as an individual piece of play, but it cannot be a goal
2: given an indication of what's to come. So your standout moment. I'm actually going to have to go with a bit of a shock. I think it's got to be USA and Germany exiting, you know, in the group stages, you know, first and second in the world. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Uh, So, yeah, that would definitely be my standout moment of the World Cup. For me, Tash,
1: it's got to be something that didn't happen, which sounds so weird, doesn't it? When I'm talking about a standout moment, you've gone with shock exits. I'm going with the fact that there weren't any shock scorelines. You know, we opened the World Cup in France and USA beat Thailand 13-0, but we didn't get any of those score lines this tournament, yet the tournament had been expanded to more teams. So I think it was something that didn't happen that shocked me the most. We did have the Netherlands beating Vietnam 7-0, but I think in tournaments gone by, that scoreline would have been much higher. So overall, I think the standard of all of these teams has gone up a level. And that's what I'm going to pick out.
2: Player of the tournament for you, Tash? Well, I called it, didn't I? I called it at the start yeah, you and did. she goes and wins it. Uh, it's Bon Mati for me. Yeah, Three goals for Spain, two assists. You know, there's probably been some more standout individual performances throughout the tournament. But I think as a whole, her consistency, you know, helping Spain make history, winning the gold medal. But I've also got to give a little shout out to Millie Bright because I think to have not played a minute of football for four months leading into this World Cup and then to then be asked to captain your country. She played every single minute and she was just the ultimate leader. And I think the way that she spoke after the World Cup exit as well just so professional and I've got a lot of respect for her this World Cup.
1: Mm, I don't think any of us can really see past Bon especially with Spain winning the whole thing, because she'd already been standout prior to that. And she actually is the official answer. She was the player of the tournament. But Alex Greenwood got a lot of plaudits for any England fans who've been just on social media. I think if you look at the way that she was pulled into that centre-back position alongside Millie Bright and hadn't played in the Euros last summer, I think she went about her business and quite under the radar for most of those performances. Certainly not under the radar in the final when she had the bandage (laughs) round round her head. (laughs) She'll have those images to remember that final for forever. Um, But I also think Linda Casado, and I'm sure she'll come up as as a young player as well that we're going to talk about, but her arrival at the tournament. And I also look at Australia, you know, when Sam Kerr wasn't available, I looked at their midfield and I thought, players like Hayley Rasso, you know, she really turned up at this tournament. Um, she got some key goals, she got key assists. So I was going to give um, Hayley Rasso a mention in player of the tournament as well. Uh, best goalkeeper, and we know the official answer was Mary Up. She got the golden glove. Would you deviate from that, Tash,
2: or are you going with Mary? I'm actually going to deviate, but I'm going to give Mary credit because I expect that from Mary Earps. Now, the keeper I've actually gone with surprised me slightly this tournament, and it's actually Mackenzie Arnold. So I bet I played against Mackenzie Arnold in the WSL for West Ham, in Australia, and, look, she's a good keeper, but she excelled this tournament, you know, and I don't think Australia would have gone as far if it wasn't for her. Three penalty saves in the quarterfinal, final. And I just think she was a surprise package for me. So I'll give it to Mackenzie Arnold. Mm, I don't
1: disagree with that. I'd written down Mackenzie-Arnold as well. Um, maybe, though, we should also mention Musevich for Sweden. She had that ring around her, as Kate described it, for a while. It didn't go all her way. There were a couple of moments where I thought, mm, maybe there, there were a couple where she could have done better. But overall, I think Musevich kept that Sweden side going at points, certainly in the semi-final. So um, I'm going to go with Musevich as well for a mention, an honourable mention. Best 11, Tash. Now, you did this after the group stages. I
2: wonder how much it's changed. I really enjoyed doing this, actually, when I was going through this today. So I've gone for a 4-3-3, my favourite formation. Mm -hmm. So I've got Arnold in goal um, and obviously talked about her already. My right back is uh, Bagier for Spain, gold medalist. I think she was consistent throughout I've got two centre-halves, Illestat for Sweden, four goals from a centre-half, bronze medalist. I think she was huge for them this this year in the World Cup, especially from set-pieces. Millie Bright for England, played every single minute, like I said earlier. Silver medal, brilliant leader. I thought she had a great tournament also. And Endo, one of our favourites, Lindsay, for Japan. One goal, two assists. She just excited me every time I saw Japan play. Then in midfield, I've gone for a three in midfield. I've got Gori in midfield for Australia, I just think 31 years of age, had a baby in 2021. I just don't think I expected her to perform as well as what she did. But her and Cooney Cross in that midfield for Australia was massive. So I've gone for her, Bon Matty, player of the tournament, three goals, two assists, gold medal, don't have to say much more. And in the 10, I've gone for Aslani for Sweden, played with Kossa. I know what she's about one goal but in the important game to get them that bronze medal and then three up top I've gone for Paraluelo through the middle she uh, got two goals in the quarterfinal and semi-final then from the left hand side golden boot Miyazawa for Japan five goals one assist and I've actually gone for Lauren Hemp it was tough down the right hand side because there's quite a few that I was looking at but I think Hemp came alight when it mattered for England And got three goals, one assist, silver medal, and I think she was a standout player, you know, in the semi-final, and she looked a real threat in the final, also. So yeah, I think that's a pretty strong eleven.
1: Yeah, hitting the post so close—that crossbar hit is going to be relived for many a fan. On to goal of the tournament. Oh, so
2: many. I'm so torn. (laughs) I wonder
1: if we're going to go for the same one here. I I wrote down.
2: because there's so many, isn't there? And we spoke about it earlier in a pod where do you go for the ones a goal or do you go for the team goal or the importance of a goal? And I've gone for a bit of a mixture. I've gone for yesterday's goal, which might surprise you. But Carmona's goal, 23 years old, the goal that wins in the World Cup. But what I love most about this was, one, the execution of the finish because to score against Mary Earps, it's got to be inch perfect. And it was Side netting, you know, Mary Oaks was full stretch. You know, she's hit it so beautifully with her left foot. But it was the cleverness and the ruthlessness of Spain to recognise where Lucy Bronze had left that space. And they exploited it so well. And the way that they overloaded it with the 2v1 against Jess Carter. So I just think that overall goal, it was just sexy, attractive football and, you know, got them that World Cup and they made history with it. I think you've justified that there, Tash. We'll accept it. However,
1: (laughs) there are some finishes that just make you want to stand off your seat and applaud. And I think Esme Brutes for the Netherlands, and it's quite early on in the tournament, so you'd have to go back to go and watch that one again. But wow, what a anything that's like a rocket that I think a goalkeeper has no chance and also looks so precise and pinpoint always gets me thinking, yes. That was certainly the highlight for me. And it's one that... I suppose there have been so many more goals and brilliant finishes like Ella Toons, for instance. I thought that was great to come from her. Lauren James, we know, scored a lovely couple of goals earlier on as well. But when I'm when I'm looking around all of those brilliant finishes, I don't know, there's just something that always draws me back to that Brutes finish, so I'm going to go with that. Um, surprise package overall. I'll start us off on this one yeah. because Nigeria, easily, hands down for me, were the surprise package. I know there are other teams that went really far but the way that they played, how great they were tactically, defensively, technically, they didn't give England any time at all in, in that game. But when you watch their journey, it was the same from match to match. They had the measure of their opposition. And I think in the future, Nigeria will go really deep into a tournament.
2: So I'm going to say them. Very good. Hi. Yeah. I'm going to go Colombia. I think to make the quarterfinal, knocking out Germany, who was second in the world, The likes of Casado, Ramirez, players that maybe I hadn't seen before. So that was really nice to kind of see some new faces on the World Cup, absolutely killing it. Um, And it was just a great story. And to be honest, they actually were so unlucky not to beat England. 15 attempts on goal compared to England's nine attempts. I think that says it all. So, yeah, that was a great journey to see them do so well at this World Cup. Avert your ears for a moment because we had
1: our ones to Watch award yesterday, Tash. It was handed out to the producers. We will move on <laughs> and look at the legacy. Have seen how quickly I've moved on? Yeah. We'll move on now to the legacy of this World Cup. Keep up to date with everything going on at the Women's World Cup in Australia by using the free Sky Sports app. You'll find news, interviews, live match coverage, analysis and much more. You don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Go to your app store, download it and away you go.
0: And after the World Cup, it's the best app for WSL coverage and so much more, including F1, the Premier League, World Class Boxing, International Cricket and more. Remember, you don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Just search for Sky Sports in your app store.
1: Whenever we have a major tournament, we want to be speaking about the future. That legacy word is always talked about. But I think in Australia, it's been clear to see, Tash, hasn't it, that over there and in New Zealand, they've really taken women's football on board. And you can already
2: see that I think there will be a shift over there. I cannot wait to see that. Um, You know, I don't keep it a secret that Australia is like a second home to me and the six seasons that I had out there were probably some of the best in my football career um, playing for Melbourne victory. And I could see the way the game was growing, but then it went through a period where then all their best players and all their international players wanted to come and play in Europe because of Champions League, because of the money. And then the league became almost like a local players were playing in it. And that was not sad to see, but I worried about the Australian league and how it was going to attract top, top players Now the league has gone, you know, a bit more home and away. It's 10 months long. So I think that's important. (laughs) Like what you did there, home and away. Yeah, Yeah. home and away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then obviously this World Cup and the success of it, I just can't wait now to follow it because I cannot tell you how great it is to play in that country. It has everything. So now to see hopefully this league grow, to see top players go over there and play, and hopefully in years to come, it'll be one of the leagues that players want to go and play in, yeah, I think that makes me really happy and I'm really excited about that. And then we spoke at the top of the show about some of the
1: big names leaving this tournament, Tash. You know, we spoke about Megan Rapino and Marta and Christine Sinclair. And for the first time, it wasn't about established names, this tournament. It
2: was about young talent, wasn't it? And it, how, how encouraging is that? It's exciting, isn't it? I think that the people that you just named, they were my idols. They were the people that I looked up to when I was growing up uh, with football so now to see, you know, the younger players, like we've mentioned, Esme Brutes, who potentially could be in the WSL this year, Casado, you know, the likes of Lauren James, talking about the England team and, you know, how young the team is still. You know, Lauren Hem thinks she's still only 22. I cannot wait to see, you know, more young faces breaking out in the next couple of years. Several coaches
1: stepping down as well. I mean, I'm sure there will be question marks over others, Tash, but Vlatko Andonovski uh, for the USA, I think most people saw that one coming, didn't they? And Milena Bertolini um, from Italy, um, Haiti's Nicholas Delapine and Philippines coach Alan Stasic. What do you think about the other nations that crashed out? Do you think many of them will hold on
2: to their head coaches or will there be quite a turnaround before the next tournament? I think there'll be quite a turnaround. And I actually think it just shows the way the game's development, Z, because you know, the Hope Powell era of what she was in charge for 15 years or so and and didn't win anything particularly. So I think that that's changed now. You know, you don't have managers in those roles for so long having not achieved things. And I actually think that's a good thing because as players, we're under pressure to perform. You know, it, it is a business now. Yeah, I think there probably will be even more changes moving forward. A note, I suppose I'm directing this in FIFA's
1: direction for scheduling in the future. Uh, When we look at future World Cups, maybe don't get them clashing with Premier League and EFL starting and and you look at the rest of Europe as well, a lot of those leagues were underway. It did detract slightly, didn't it, towards the end of the tournament?
2: Yeah, it did. You're spot on. And I think scheduling has been an issue, not just in tournament football, but actually domestically as well. I think last year in the WSL, scheduling-wise, it's the worst I've ever experienced. You know, we would have a game and then not a game for six weeks and it was so stop-start. And to then be able to attract fans to come to games... Um, And then for players as well, I'm not surprised there were so many injuries leading into this World Cup. Um, So I think that that is something that really, you know, the FA or whoever's in charge of that, they need to really focus on that moving forward. As we're chatting, Tash
1: the England players, they may even be landing. I mean, it's been a long flight, Mm -hmm. but they they might still be midair watching some film of some sort. But, you know, when they land and they have that reception at the airport, I think everyone's so proud. I think that's become clear. There are obvious ambitions there to to go that one better in the future. But what do you think the legacy from this tournament is
2: going to be when you consider what happened post the Euros? It's going to be huge, isn't it? And These players are celebrities now, which sounds kind of crazy to think, doesn't it? Because probably five, ten years ago, you would never think that female football players in England would actually be celebrities. But I think these girls' lives are going to change now. If it hadn't changed after the Euros, then it is going to be now because their faces are everywhere on the front of newspapers, you know, on the TV screens week in week out. They've got murals on side of buildings, Uh, you know, they're just everywhere. Calvin Klein, yeah, you. can't really turn over a page without seeing them and too right they deserve that so let's hope then that they can use this as a real springboard and really we've all they're already great role models but i just really hope they use the power that they've got to the good um and you know there's so much pressure on them now as well which can sometimes be good and some can sometimes be bad but the legacy that this group of girls have yeah it's, it's incredible it really is what we've seen before, when there has been success, is we've seen it fade,
1: fade away. Like you get, you get that immediate interest off the back of the the Euros win, for instance, and then over a period of time, attendances dip and newspaper inches get reduced somewhat and it isn't in the media as much and that never happened I think post the Euros win and the lead up because we had a World Cup the very next year I think we managed to continue that momentum and so I think the legacy of this happening right off the back of the Euros for England is that we managed to sustain that and I think it's all about sustaining the level that we'd reach because otherwise you are expecting a drop off at times not to mention as well, Tash, the fact that there are an Olympic Games in Paris next year. There will be some women's teams. Could we potentially see Serena Viegman guiding a Team GB at the Olympics? How cool would, would that be? That? Yeah, like, another
2: oh. trophy to add to her collection. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. I know and probably another final this is what she does isn't it let's see if the if the FA go down that route but you think of a team GB team as well and you, you have other players of course available and this team gets even better which is scary for the others um, a bright future ahead we are hoping that it does wrap up our World Cup at the Offside Rule World Cup daily with Sky Sports thank you so much for listening along the way it wouldn't have been possible without the support from Sky Sports so thank you very much to the team there who have been on hand after every single show. Uh, To make sure that the show continues post this tournament, sponsorship, of course, is vital. We have the same messages after tournaments like this. If you're a company looking to invest in this space, which you should be, please do get in touch. We're offside offsiderulepod at gmail.com if you want to email us directly. For now, though, thank you very much to everyone who's lived the World Cup with us. I've got so many people to thank. Of course, my right arm to my left, Kate Borsay, uh, for hosting the show, so expertly throughout. Helen Hardy, Haley McQueen, Jade Moore, Jodie Taylor, Carla Ward, Carly Telford, Jilly Flaherty, producers Callum and Doogie, as specialists as well, who've contributed from over 20 countries. And of course, to
2: you, Tash Dowie, you've been a superstar. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been great, hasn't it? It's a bit emotional, to be honest, that the journey's over. But no, I've loved it from start to finish. So thanks for having me on. And if you think it's emotional for you, there is one other person that we need to thank for
1: all of these shows being put together so expertly. It's our producer, Sophie. Not only did she win the ones to watch because it was her monumental effort over the, the course of the tournament, she's done so well getting all of these shows out. So big thank you to you. And the biggest thanks as well goes to all of our listeners who've got in touch, who've engaged with us, who've given us their thoughts on all their favourite players and teams to watch. This has been the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky sports what a roller coaster go take a breath
0: and we are off the biggest women's world cup ever has officially started the australian
1: superstar sam kerr the poster girl of this tournament with a calf injury
3: this was the biggest football crowd for any men's or women's game played in new zealand Nuhaila
0: Benzina is the first hijab-wearing woman to play at a Women's Senior World Cup. It's an historic moment.
1: Katie McCabe curled the ball into the net straight
0: from a corner kick. I don't know if people understand that there's very few players that
3: can score a goal like that.
0: Australia knocked Olympic champions Canada out of the tournament. Huge upsets today as Brazil were knocked out of the World Cup by Jamaica. Germany's World Cup is over, can you believe it? The biggest shock yet as the four-time champions USA crashed out of the World Cup. This is literally anybody's World Cup. Single-handedly
3: for us, the biggest moment I think in our football history
0: We're the only Arab
1: country to qualify for the World Cup and to play the knockout stages.
0: Whatever happens next, there will be a new World Cup winner this year. England are into the World Cup final, history made for the Lionesses. So Sweden have got the bronze medal over co-hosts Australia, spoiling their
3: party. How dare they? It's changed women's football, it's changed women's sport, and Australia is now a football country. Spain have won the World Cup. It's amazing. I have no words. As much as losing hurts, though, a silver isn't anything to be ashamed of, and these girls can hold their head high.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.